Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra, come to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios. It is the 1st of September, 2020. We've been talking about aging and tumorigenesis and doing a contrarian comparison of those two potential cell fates in the human system. And the last episode that I've given was a video lecture describing um, the innate like T cells and their association with inflammatory responses and diseases. We talked a little bit about transcription factors and cytokines and chemokines. Today, in this audio lecture, I'm going to continue this discussion, and I'm going to give you a little bit more relevant information about how the innate associated T lymphocytes, and indeed the conventional T helper, T effector lymphocytes and T regs, also play a major role in uh, the aging process. So we're gonna get started right now. This comes from a paper published in 2019 from Cell Death and Disease, this is volume 10 and article 315, something I've talked about in the past. Now, before I get to the actual uh, aspects of that paper, I wanna tell you this, innate-like T-cell subclass three or ILC3s, express the retinoic acid receptor, or RER. And they do that in association with an orphan receptor, um, which is the ROR gamma T. And because they generate, they have this combinatorial receptor system, which is, of course, the nuclear receptor. Um, you get signature cytokines generated transcriptionally and look in 22 and 17, so fetal ILC3s, or lymphoid tissue inducer cells, another term for that, are required for lymphoid orgogenesis and postnatally developing the ILC3s are important for the generation of an intestinal cryptopatch and isolated lymphoid follicles, as well as for the defense of pa against pathogens and epithelial homeostasis. Now that was first published back in the European Journal of Immunology in 2015. Uh, the volume on that is uh, 45, and the page on that is 2171, if I look at that paper. So group three innate lymphoid cells, the ILC3s, are responsible for gastrointestinal mucosal homeostasis through the moderate generation of those two important cytokines, IL-22 and 17. They also produce GMCSF in the physiological state. Natural cytotoxicity receptors, or NCRs, is something else you need to know about. They've been classically defined as activating receptors, and what they deliver is a, a, a pretty potent signal for natural killer cells, and allows them to lyse harmful cells, of course, and to produce inflammatory cytokines. So the elicitation of natural killer effector cells and their function after engagement of that natural cytotoxicity receptor with a ligand on a tumor or a virus, say, or an infected cell, it results in no need for prior antigen recognition. And it's actually one of the main mechanisms that allows for the rapid clearance of target cells using the NK, right, the natural killer. Now, the three known NCRs, natural cytotoxicity receptors, uh, you don't need to know much more about them except that they're named NKP46, 44, and 30, respectively. 
and they comprise a family of germline coded IgE, that is immunoglobulin-like transmembrane receptors, okay? Now, until recently, these NCRs were thought to be just since restricted to the natural pillar cell lineage, and they live on the surface, right? And that actually was used in flow cytometry to distinguish natural killer cells from other lymphocytes uh, lineages because they, they were considered phenotypically uh, used to identify NKs. Um, however, it's been found that there, this same receptor can be found on other cells. And yeah, indeed, one of the cell lineages that we're talking about are the ILCs. Okay, so if you want to go back and look at one of the first papers that talked about natural cytotoxicity receptors, I recommend you look at a paper published Frontiers in Immunology in 2013. That was, I believe, yeah, it was volume four, uh, page 69 and ongoing. So ILC3s, which express that NCR receptor, contribute to the progression of an, and indeed can aggravate inflammatory bowel disease because of the dysregulation of the NCR minus ILC3s or the NCR plus ILC3s and both their functional bias for the NCR positive lineage, which then leads to a potential differentiation for ILC1, because remember these cells can interconvert. And that's under the stimulation of a different cytokine, you know, look at 12. It's generated from CD14 positive dendritic cell association, as well as the regulatory ILC dysfunctions that can occur in a pathological state because you have only a monovalent receptor working, right? So the dysregulation of ILC3s results in the overexpression of inflammatory cytokines, the same ones, 22 and 17, but also interferon gamma. And IL-17 can, of course, recruit neutrophils, and that will disrupt the E-cadherin and junctional adhesion molecule, um, JAML. That leads all, all total to an enhancement of epithelial permeability. This is all happening in the inflamed intestine. So the ILC3 to ILC1 plasticity, which is regulated by the NCR receptor, is reversible in the presence of interleukin-23 and interleukin-1-beta, and of course, retinoic acid. All of those, can, all of those, those two uh, cytokines and retinoic acid can all be generated by dendritic cells, CD14 dendritic cells. So you can see that there is some interaction with the antigen-presenting cells, dendritic cells. Well, this leads me to a paper published back in 2015 in Frontiers in Immunology, published in September of that year. And it talks about T-regulatory cells. So let's get into this in some depth. T-regs, via their immune suppressive capability, play an indispensable role, of course, in maintaining immune homeostasis because they prevent autoimmunity, which is normally induced by excessive, a misdirected, or maybe even an unnecessary immune activation. So surface-expressed cytotoxic T-lymphocyte-associated antigen 4, or CTLA-4, of course, mediates the suppression of target cells by cell-cell contact. Treg cells can also reduce T-cell activation proliferation through, through another 
cell surface receptor called CD39, CD73. And that mediates the production of metabolic adenosine, while Treg cells also are shown to harbor a cytotoxic capacity and induce target cell apoptosis, actually, through the release of granzymes A, B, and indeed even perfluorin. The anti-inflammatory cytokines that are secreted by Tregs can induce immune tolerance. And this is something that's going to be important a little bit later on here in this talk. Now, there are pathological conditions, pathophysiological conditions, such as in systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, and in MS, multiple sclerosis, Treg cells exhibit a lot of plasticity to some extent, and they could even mimic, and in fact, they do take on the um, phenotype of T helper-like or T effector cells, which means they're no longer suppressive Tregs. So that brings you to the question, how are T effector cells generated and regulated, right? So here's a paper published in Experimental Molecular Medicine, volume 51. This was actually article 80. It's how they numbered them in this journal, published in 2019. And this is what it tells us. CD4 positive T cells, those are naive T cells, play key roles in acquired lymphoid immunity by orchestrating, of course, cytokinogenesis, while differentiating into the mature cell lineages, ultimately Th1, 2, 17, those are all the vector cells, or also Tregs. And all of that is via TCR activation, T cell receptor activation, of course. So each of those CD4 lineages expresses a suite of unique transcription factors that drives the terminal differentiation. They include, the transcription factors include, but they're not limited to, Tbat as a transcription factor for Th1. And they go on to clear, of course, intracellular pathogens by inducing a transcriptome that is led by the interferon gamma gene. Similarly, Th2 cells expressing in a leukid 4 or 5 or 13 in response to helminths use the transcription factor GATA3, while Th17s use that ROR gamma T as a lineage-determining factor. And of course, they're going to end up producing the canonical cytokines for Th17 cells in leukid 17A, 17F, and of course, in leukid 22. They're all regimented, of course, to eliminate extracellular bacteria and fungi, right? As well as in response to helmets and dealing with those parasites. There is a dark side to T cell activation, including the Th17 autoimmune mediated MS and indeed rheumatoid arthritis. Both of those are autoimmune diseases. And to control that overreach by an acquired immune lymphoid pathway, another adaptive member of that T cell lineage has to block the pro-inflammatory drive. And of course, this takes us right back to T regulatory cells. So Tregs tank differentiation, that is they abort or eliminate differentiation and proliferation of effector T cells. And indeed they downregulate inflammatory responses so they can check autoinflammation and indeed allergenic responses. So what are the details of T-regulation? Again, this is from Experimental Molecular Medicine, Volume 51, 2019 paper. Transcription factor FOXP3 is actually an X 
chromosome-encoded Treg cell lineage determining factor. Uh, produces cytochrome's TGF-beta. It, it, that is the transcription factor. It leads to the cytokines TGF-beta and interleukin-2, and they induce the expression of FOXP3. Interleukin-2 induces, the, of course, the canonical JAK-STAT pathway, that's a kinase pathway. It's a signaling cascade. It initiates, ultimately, the FOXP3 transcription, which then goes on to become the transcription factor uh, for the cytokines of GF-beta and interleukin-2, as I just said. Remember, this is all X chromosome linked. So when TGF-beta binds to either the beta receptor uh, or SMAD23 interacting as a, uh, after autophosphorylation, this translocates to the nucleus, this TGF-beta receptor. And then the phosphorylated SMAD2, which is a helper protein, binds to the conserved enhancer regions in the chromatin, or indeed on conserved non-coding sequences called CNSs. And that's exactly at the FOXP3 locus. So we're turning on the transcription factor FOXP3. Now, each of the CNSs, those non-coding sequences, have unique binding domains for specific transcription factors, and all of that upregulates FOXP3 expression. So CNS1 is unnecessary, for example, for thymus-derived Tregs. Those are called TTregs, with the generation of them. However, it does play a prominent role in periphery-derived Tregs, known as PTregs, for their cell formation. And whereas CNS2, remember, okay, these again are non-coding regions, right, has a FOXP3 binding site and contributes to Treg cell stability, whereas the CNS3 has a C-REL binding site and increases, once again, T-cell T regulatory cell generation. So that's all very important for FOXP3. FOXP3 then activates the Treg signature genes. And I just mentioned one of them to you, CTLA4, and of course, interleukin-2, and that's the interleukin-2 receptor, tumor necrosis factor receptor number 18, and the gene called ICOS. All of those participate in the suppressive function, ultimately in differentiation of the Treg population. So <clears throat> if you want to demonstrate physiological consequence of FOXP3 mutation and deletion, um, if you do that by making a mutation, what you get is lymphoproliferative diseases. And those are characterized by multi-organ lymphocyte infiltration. It's been done in the murine models. So when you have wild-type Treg cells, homeostasis, you're expressing FOXP3. And that, express, that causes the expression of ID3. ID3 results in Treg cell stimulation because you have a low E47 activity. So without E47, it doesn't block the FOXP3 expression. So you have FOXP3 maintenance, and then that blocks the effector T cells. Now, if you have an ID3 minus cell lineage, then that will not suppress E47. So you have this high E47. These are all controlling mechanisms for the relative amount of FOXP3 transcription. High E47 result in high SPIB, 
which then will result in high SOC S3, which will tank FOXP3 expression. That will then inhibit this T regulatory cell from suppressing an effector T cell. Now, I got that from a cell reports paper published back in December 2016. That was volume 17, and the page was 2827 on that one. So you get the idea of what's going on here, right? So the nuclear receptor that binds DNA as a monomer is, all, is another, another component now. We're looking at the TH17 lineage, okay? Really important to understand this whole pathway. And why is it important? It's because if we don't understand how TH17 cells are regulated, then we can't understand how Tregs can control them. So with, with um, interleukin-6 hypoxia or an increase in reactive oxygen or reactive nitrogen like nitric oxide or an increase in fumaric acid or succinic acid from the TCA cycle, all of those can induce HIF-1. HIF-1, again, is hypo hypoxia-inducible factor. Now, when HIF-1 is, is induced because of those potential interactions with leukin-6 hypoxia, ROS, or, or NO, or fumarate, or succinate, if it, if it functions in the Treg cell lineage, HIF-1 interacts with FOXP3, and you generate a complex, which includes PBHLE3, the HIF-1 with the FOXP3, and that allows for ubiquitinylation. That ubiquitinylation then causes a degradation of FOXP3 because it's degraded by the proteasome because it's ubiquitinylated, and that prevents Treg differentiation, full stop. The same time, HIF-1 being generated by hypoxia or fumarate, succinate, ROS, NO, et cetera, that will actually induce the ROR gamma T transcription factor, which will ultimately lead to the production of interleukin-17. And guess what we have now? Now we've taken the naive CD4-positive T cell and we've turned it into a TH17 cell, okay? So interleukin-17 is enhanced then by a hierarchical transcriptional pattern, which ultimately then is induced by the HIF-1 transcription factor, working first through the production of ROR gamma T transcription factor and then leading to the canonical TH17 uh, cytokine IL-17. So you get how you can have upstream processes, midstream processes, and downstream processes regulating the Treg differentiation cycle. Okay, paper published in Frontiers in Immunology in September 2015 again, talking about from the thymus you have CD4 positive, CD8 positive, double positive cells interacting with a cortical epithelial cell, which has, for example, the MHC2 self-antigen as a co-simulatory signal, if you have low TCR self-reactivity, that's the T-cell receptors reactivity, remember these are coming from CD4, CD8 double positive thymus cells. These are naive cells. If you have low TCR activity, you know what happens. Well, maybe you don't, I'm going to tell you, okay? It's going to induce the CD4 positive naive T cell lineage to be converted to CD4 positive CD25, FOXP3 expecting T cells, 
and then in the presence of TGF-beta, an uncommitted CD4, CD25, FOXB3 T cell. Okay? That's along the way to generate P peripheral T regulatory development. Now, at the same time, the interaction of that double positive cell, CD4, CD8 double positive with the cortical epithelial cell carrying a self-antigen and a co-stimulatory signal with high T-cell receptor activity, self-reactivity, basically. You get either apoptosis, so it kills it directly, so you get a further lineage. Or if you have an intermediate self-reactivity as regulated by the TGF-beta signaling, you'll generate a CD4, CD25 positive, FOXP3 minus T-cell. And then in the presence of interleukin 2 and 15, you're going to generate a CD4, CD25, POXB3 positive T cell, and then you'll get a committed uh, T cell um, lineage. It's got a CD4, CD25, FOXP3, and those are going to be the TTREG development pathway. Okay? So remember, tissue TREGs versus peripheral TREGs, right? So I just gave you now more about a discussion of how we're making T regulatory cells. All right, so you understand there's multiple places where T regulatory cells are regulated. I just gave you three possible, uh, or, or th three of the three of the potential interactions that you need to keep track of. All right, so let's get here and finish this kind of uh, discussion. It comes from again the same paper, Frontiers in Immunology. This is about the FOXB3 promoter. So there are three conserved regulatory regions upon TCR stimulation. There's the NFAT, AP1, SP1, and the CREB ATF. All that binds to the promoter of the FOXP3 gene. The STAT5, this is all part of transcriptional regulation, forms a dimer, and that will do so in the response to interleukin 2, and that signals and translocates to the FOXP3 promoter as well. Now in the periphery, uh, circulating TGF-beta signals will drive SMADs and the NFAT occupancy at the CNS1 site, remember it's the non-coding region, for the FOXB3, uh, a transcription of FOXB3 gene, and that can induce FOXB3 directly too. The CPG island within the FOXB3 promoter re region, now we're talking about epigenetic phenomena, is demethylated in both TTREG cells and PTREG cells but not in naive T cells. So you understand that this whole regulation can have a superimposition of having no methylation on specific CPG islands that FOXP3 promote. As long as they're demethylated, you're going to be able to turn on TT regs and PT regs. It's really important. Not only that epigenetic signature, but the histones bound to the FOXP3 promoter region are always hyperacetylated in both. TTREG and PTREG cells. The CNS2, the non-coding region CNS2, of course, is also demethylated, but that's only in the TTREGs and not in the PTREG population. So you get the whole understanding now, and finally, you get this epigenetic modification, right? Now, I've gone through this before, but just wanted to remind you about the highly regulated control over T regulatory stimulation, uh, activation, proliferation. Phenomena. All right. 
Now, again, another note on T-Rex stability and instability, right? Interleukin-2 is critical for T-Rex stability and maintenance, whereas polymorphisms in both interleukin-2 and interleukin-2 receptor have been seen in diabetes. So diabetes can dysregulate um, the entire ultimate the entire ultimate regulation of interleukin-2 interaction at the Treg stability. So pro-inflammatory cytokines, cytokines including interferon gamma and tumor necrosis factor alpha can alter Treg phenotype. And many Treg-associated Treg-associated molecules are important for optimal suppressive function. And those include the CTLA-4, the GIT uh, receptor, and the OX40. Okay, now we haven't talked about GIDR or OX40. I'll do that later. There are also ag agnostic antibodies to the GITR, and they're detrimental, of course, they would be to the Treg mediated stability and suppression. And there are intracellular molecules, including, including proteins called Helios, EOS, and P10, that's a phosphatase. And there are key molecules in optimal T cell regulation and function. And ultimately, um, this is going to stabilize the FOXP3 in Tregs. So we're going to stop here um, and we're going to continue on. I've got some really fascinating things to discuss with you about aging and all this Treg phenomenon I just went through. I wanted to give you the Treg phenomena first and then I'm going to bring forward how Treg cells and, and the innate-like cell lineages as well as T effector cells all control ultimately whether or not cells go through aging or perhaps also various age-related diseases like chronic kidney disease. This is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry on the 1st of September 2020 saying bye for now.